Who's excited today? Come on, who's amped up like I am? On some espresso and cheese danishes this morning, you know? Not me, y'all. Not me, y'all. No, I'm so pumped that you're here for week two of God Never Said That. Can we give it up for Radiate Worship, y'all? Come on, somebody. Wow. I love how they just flow in, in order and allow the Spirit to move in such a great way. I love it, love it, love it. Hey, you can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles for the, the first verse that we're really going to hit today is in Psalm chapter 38. And we'll go ahead and let you know we're going to be very Scripture heavy today, so you may want to write a bunch of them down and go back to them uh, later on in the week. Uh, I love that, those days whenever we're Scripture heavy. I want to say to all of our online campus, thank you for being here. We're honored to have you today. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, I want to say something real quick before before we get into um, the message that, um, so Friday night, my, my beautiful wife who leads our Radiate Kids uh, ministry, y'all may not know this, but every week, most weeks, not every week, and most weeks, we are over a hundred kids a week back there in that area. Come on, somebody. Um, that's a ma massive part of why we're going to three services in May to create more room for more kids and more parents, praise God. And uh, so help us get the word out on that. But Friday night, my wife did an annual, uh, hosted her annual Beautifully Broken conference for women right here in this room. And y'all, there's about a 250 ladies that showed up here. She's not in the room. We honored her first service when she was in here. She did an amazing job. God, we're still hearing testimonies and stories come in of God changing lives and, and speaking to so many. It was a great time. Um, I wanted to appreciate her, but I just want to, I, I had the opportunity Friday night uh, to, to step in and work in our production booth. Um, so, and no, the mess up that night was not my fault, okay? All right, so if you were here, back off, all right? Um, but, no, I, I got to step in in the production, and, and I served a little bit. Went back to six years ago, Pastor Chris, and, uh, and tried to tap into some of that um, environment or, or knowledge that I don't have anymore. And, um, but I learned something, man, and, and I was sitting there halfway through the service, and I was serving, and I just thought, man, how amazing are our over 150 volunteers that serve right here at Ready 8 Church. Can we give it up for everybody that serves? We believe in honor here at Ready 8. And man, we got over 150 people right now that serve, and, 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 and the bigger we grow, the more we need, and, and, and the more opportunities we have. And I was just sitting back there, and I was, we were laughing together, we were talking together, like uh, Jamie was right next to me, which is a problem because we laugh together a lot anyway. And uh, we were laughing together and talking together, and we had a problem that popped up, and we figured that out together. And I just thought, man, if you're not on a team, at Radiate Church. Can I just tell you, you're missing out on something so fun. I know y'all are like, yeah, you did it one time. No, I'm just telling you, it was a blast to work with people in their environment. Because here's what I told them. Y'all yell at me. You tell me what to do. You tell me if I'm doing it right or wrong, whatever. I'm here to serve you guys tonight. And y'all, it was a blast. And I'm just here to tell you, if you're not on a team at Radiate Church, I'm telling you, I promise you, you are missing out on something great here at Radiate. And so one more time, can we honor all of our team members at Radiate? You guys are awesome. Thank you. So we're in week two of God Never Said That. Week two, God never said that. Last week, we talked about the misperception uh, or the misquote that uh, God just wants you to be happy. And the truth is, is God is not as concerned about your happiness as he is your holiness. 
And uh, sometimes he wants us to get closer to him, and that makes us uncomfortable and makes us unhappy. And that is okay uh, as long as we're drawing closer to God. So if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and uh, watch or listen to that. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about um, it doesn't matter what you do. God doesn't care what you do. God does not care what you do as long as you just give your heart to him. Doesn't matter what you do. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about, we're going to end the series with this one. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. And so we're going to go uh, on those topics over the next few weeks. But this week is this one. I love this one. I'm actually excited about this one. Uh, I had a lot of fun in the 930 service with this one. The, th- the thought that God won't give you more than you can handle. Can I just go ahead and ruin the whole sermon for you? Like, I want to go ahead and I want to make you very uncomfortable in the beginning, and then we're going to explain it away. Are you ready? God never said that! God never said he won't give you more than you can handle. Anybody in the room ever felt, and you may be in this season right now in your life, you've ever felt overwhelmed, you felt stressed, you felt like to wit's end. Anybody in the room bold enough to say, right here, both hands and feet up right now. You know what I'm saying? All over the room, all over the room. You know, Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church in Oklahoma, he, he has this phrase that he says, and it goes like this. He says, there's one of three people that are always in the room. You're either coming out of a hard season, right? You're either going through a hard season, or you're getting ready to go into a hard season. It's very encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very encouraging word. You know, and, and the things that stress us out and overwhelm us, watch this. They're, they're, cra- they're like everyday things. It's, it's work, right? Anybody ever get stressed by work, deadlines, right? Finances stress us out, right? Some of us, you extreme introverts, even talking to people, it's like I'm going into a shell, you know, like stresses you out and overwhelms you. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. Sometimes it's not even bad stuff, right? Sometimes it is bad stuff. Sometimes it's, it's uh, doctor's diagnosis. Sometimes it's losing a loved one. Sometimes it's finances and kids. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's things like, um, let's just say like a, a kid's birthday party. Anybody? Come on, kid's birthday party. Praise God. Let's spend months planning hundreds of dollars worth of celebrations that they're going to forget within the next two weeks. Right? You with me? Right? Can I just, I need to free somebody today. Your one-year-old is not going to remember it, <laughs> all right? You're free. You're welcome. Praise God, right? Kids' birthday parties, right? Weddings, planning weddings. Anybody in the room that is like, yes? Oh, my gosh. Y'all are like, I, first of all, the ladies are like, I will not admit to that. The men are like, I will not raise my hand because I'm not getting slapped right now. Y'all, planning weddings can get stressful, right? I, I had, we had 12 years ago, we had a big blowout wedding, 13 years in May. We, we had a big blowout wedding. I did the worm on the dance floor. Praise God. If you were there, delete the videos. <laughs> right? It, the flowers have got to be right. The venue's got to be right. The music's got to be right. The, the food. All anybody cares about is seeing you and her say, I do, and then eating the food. That's it. That's it. That's all anybody cares. And then shove the cake in her face. Just make sure you do that and run. Um, Right? There's all kinds of things that can create kids' sports, right? Can stress and overwhelm us. Because you have to run two a days, nine days a week. And you have to fit 754 games in about six weeks. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's just, it can be stressful because, I mean, after all, you have a job, you have a church, you have, you know, a life <laughs> outside of that. So things can happen in our life that are always stressful. 
that are always overwhelming, that's always difficult. And when you get to that point, how many people have ever gotten to a point where it's like, I can't take another thing? Anybody in the room? I can't take it anymore. You've looked at your kids and you're like, get out my face or I'm getting you out of my face. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you said that to your spouse this morning, right? Just kiss them on the cheek. Say, I love you anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's those moments. Everybody goes through those moments. And that's what exactly when the well-meaning follower of Jesus and Christian shows up with their catchphrases that make no sense whatsoever. Right, like this one. Maybe you've said these, and if you've said any of these, please hear me. I'm not coming after you. I'm not saying you're wrong or terrible. I just think they're funny, right? So the first one that I, I think about is actually on the, on the video. It's this. It's, don't worry. When God closes a door, he always opens a window. What? What does that even mean? Like, if, y'all, I'm at my wit's end, and if that window's on the 12th floor, you don't want to open it right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't. Keep that thing closed, God. Trust me. Right? Or, or how, about, how, <laughs> how about this one that comes up and makes this statement? You know, God helps those who helps themselves. That didn't help me. And you want to look at them and go, oh, that's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, verse 12, Right? I say it. You're you're ridiculous. And then the one we're talking about today, we all, I've said this one. You've probably said this one or at least been told this one, right? Hey, don't worry. Take a deep breath. Calm down. Because after all, God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that one in their life? Can I just be honest and tell you, God never said that. That's not in the Bible. God never said that. We can't put God, words in God's mouth and expect God to fulfill them when we made them up. God never said it. Watch this. It's a misunderstanding and misrepresentation of an actual scripture in verse, 1 Corinthians verse 10, uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 13. It says this. God is faithful. He will not let you be what? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. It says he will not be tempted. That means you will not be tempted to go a different direction, tempted to go in another way. You won't be te- and here's what he says. You won't be tempted to be beyond what you can handle without a way out. God always has a way out. Every single time when you're tempted, there's always a way out. He didn't say I won't give you more than he can handle. He just said I'll always give you a way out. I won't tempt you beyond what you can handle. You will not be, go through that without a way out. And sometimes, I'm just going to be real, God does let us experience more than we can handle. And I want to tell you today something very encouraging. You're going to go through hard times in this life. It's going to stink. It's going to hurt. It may even last years. It may last days. It may last months. Y'all are like, that's not encouraging. No, it is whenever my home isn't here anyway. My home is in eternity. My home is in heaven with God. Watch this. I'm going to go through difficult times because I can't eliminate life. And as long as I live life, I'm susceptible to the things that life brings me. And life brings me heartache. And life brings me frustration. And life brings me financial issues. And life brings me relationship hurts. And life brings me loss. And life, life brings me gain. And life brings me good. And life brings me bad. 
I can't get over those things. Sometimes I will go through things that are more than I can handle. And it doesn't mean God's punishing you. It may be that God is growing you. See, I bet you, if you read the book of Job, I guarantee, I promise you, Job never looked at somebody and said, oh, you're having financial problems. Don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. You know how I know Job didn't say that? Because Job lost everything. Family, finances, home, friends, health. Lost everything. And he lost it for a long time. Like, I know when we read the story of Job, we're like, oh, okay, I read that in like two hours. That was only a two-hour situation Job went through. No, he lost it for a long time. He lost everything that he had. Job experienced more than he could handle. Watch this. Watch this. Gideon, I guarantee you Gideon never said that. Go read the story of Gideon. Just look it up and read it. After he received the call of God on his life, Gideon like, felt so unqualified, disqualified, and overwhelmed, he just wanted to run and hide from it all. He was overwhelmed. He was stressed out. He, he couldn't take it all. Watch this. Not only Gideon, but Moses. Moses. Moses was freaked out, overwhelmed, stressed out. Moses, you know, you'd think like God would show up in a burning bush and look at you. If he showed up to you or me and he was like, here's what I want you to do. He showed up to Moses, burning bush. He said, hey, I want you to be the savior of the Israelites. I want you to be the ones that pulls them out of the slavery of the Egyptians, right? And I want you to be the face of it and lead them spiritually and physically. I want you to be that guy. Moses didn't go, yeah, let's go, God. No, Moses went, hey, God, can we talk about that? See, God, I got a stuttering problem. I can't even talk in front of people, and people understand what I'm talking about. Hey, God, man, I can't lead. I've never done that. Hey, God, I'm disqualified. And I'm... Moses tried to negotiate his way out of God's call on his life. He was overwhelmed. He was stressed out. He was frustrated. David, King David overwhelmed, stressed out. In fact, read, let's read in Psalm 38, verses 4 and verse 8, what, did, what David wrote with his own pen, with his own words. This is what King David said. Watch this. He said, For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too, too much for me. Have you ever, you ever felt like it's just too much weight for you to carry? Like you just can't carry anymore. Watch this. Well, here's what he says in verse 8. I am benumbed and, bald and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Man, I, wow, what words. This is David is writing this when his sins and his shortcomings are catching up to him, where he had his friend killed on the battle line after he slept with the man's wife and got her pregnant. And he's sitting in these moments of guilt. And he's sitting in these moments of frustration and hurt and pain. And he is in so much distress. It says that he just groans in anguish. Let me, let me give you a little story to kind of illustrate that if I can. I remember a year and a half ago, I had to have uh, my first rib cut out and removed. And I was out for six weeks and I was in a sling. Like some, I know at least one person in this church has had that same surgery. And it's, it's a tough surgery. I underestimated the surgery, right? And I remember I laid in ICU that first night. And the first day I came home, I was sitting in my recliner and I had my sling on. And I had to be very careful. And y'all, it was such pain. 
that there were moments where I couldn't talk because if I did, it used too much air and it pushed up against where the rib was now missing and it hurt so badly in the, in the muscles and in the, in, in, in the uh, uh, nerves up through here. In fact, I still have nerve damage down my arm from it. And, 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 I, still, and I just remember laying there and just I, the way I would let the nurses in ICU and let my wife and my parents know whenever I needed something, I would just go, oh, oh, because that's, that's all I could do to communicate because it was such pain. I can just see David laying in a cave, guilt-stricken, sobbing with his head laying on a rock. Just, God, I am groaning in guilt and in pain. It is the very, it is the very sight of being overwhelmed and stressed. Some of you have been in that situation. In your own bed, at your own house, you don't know what to do. You don't know what's going on. Watch this. In Mark chapter 14, I'm so excited to tell you this one. In Mark chapter 14, verses 33 and 34, we actually see where Jesus was overwhelmed. Watch this. Verse 33 and 34 of Mark chapter 14 says this. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be, but watch this, very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking. He said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of what? Death. Remain here and keep watch. He said, Jesus, Jesus, the son of God, before he goes and spends time in prayer, is so overwhelmed. He says, my soul, not just my heart, not just my emotions in my head, my soul is so grieved and so saddened and so overwhelmed that I am grieved to the point of death. Just take me now. I don't want to go through this. In fact, he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane and he makes this statement. If this cup can pass from me, please let it. In other words, if I don't have to go through this, Father, please don't let me go through it. So you're in good company today. I want you to hear me. If you walked in overwhelmed, if you walked in stressed, if you walked in and you've been in those emotions and you're just, you don't, I can't take one more thing. You're in good company. You're in the company of Jesus. He was in the same company. He was in the same moment. So many other people throughout the Bible, I could read and read and read about it. So why then does God allow us to experience difficulty? Why then? Because God can change everything, right? God can change anything. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. So why then does God allow us to go through things that we can't handle on our own? You know, isn't it? Think back to Jesus in Mark 14 where he says this. He says, I am grieved to the point of death. And then we go and we say, God, why do I have to go through this? Isn't it kind of selfish of us to think that I shouldn't ever be grieved, but Jesus deserved it? Jesus deserved to be so grieved and so beat up and so upset and so overwhelmed and so stressed to where his sweat turned into blood, to where he asked God to make the cup pass by him, to where he was grieved to the point of death. Hey, Jesus, you deserve that, but don't you let me go through a financial hardship. Don't you let me lose something important to me. Don't you let me struggle in life. Jesus, you deserve that. I don't. And see, we have this opinion and this theology that's actually not good. That when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the, died on the cross to take care of all of our bad circumstances. Jesus died on the cross to forgive the sin that separates you from God. 
He did not die on the cross so that you never had a bad day. He died on the cross so that you didn't have to experience a bad eternity. It's a very big difference. And so we're in this thing. Why? I got two reasons. Two reasons why God will allow us to to experience more than we can handle. The first one is he allows us to experience more than we can handle so that we learn to depend on his presence. So that we learn to depend on his presence. There's a scripture that says, I would rather spend one day in his presence than a thousand days in the courts of kings. One day in the presence of God is more important than a thousand days in the presence of kings. It's so important. He wants us to depend on his presence. When things, have you ever noticed this? Probably in your life and in my life. You ever noticed um, that when things are good, we tend to forget about God? You know what I'm saying? We pray harder when things are bad. You with me? We worship harder when things are bad. We read, we actually read the Bible when things are bad. We don't wait on the pastor to read it to us. We read it. You know what I'm saying? We don't just post the scripture on our Instagram story, but we actually read it. Come on, Come on y'all don't get mad at me. Right? When things are good, we're like, all right, God, appreciate that three minutes on the way to work today. And here's why. Here's why, because we all chase that mountaintop experience, don't we? Like, because when you get to the top of a mountain, what happens? You can see everything so well. The air feels better. I can, I can breathe without 17 pounds of pollen coming up in my nostrils. Right? Feels so good on the mountaintop. But if you look down, once you're on the mountaintop, if you ever look down into the valley, I was just in a, on, on a mountain this past week in Alabama, and I looked down in the valley. You know what was in the valley? It's kind of crazy. There was way more growth and way more life, life in the valley than there was on the mountaintop. There was actual, there was flowers growing in the valley. There was, there was trees growing. You know what was on the mountaintop? Rocks and dust. The view was pretty. There wasn't much growth there. As long as we chase the mountaintop, we're actually running from growth. We're bypassing growth so that we feel good in the moment. And so we chase this mountaintop, and, and, and then when things get bad, right? When things get bad, what do we do? Hey, God, I, I need you to really teach me this. God, I really need you to come through. God, I really need... And here's what happens. Whenever we only go to God when things are tough, we turn God into crisis management instead of the Savior of our souls. We ask God, hey, change my circumstance, but don't save my soul. I believe you can change the problem I got myself into. I just don't want you to change me. When it's hard, it's easy to come to the pastor and go, I need prayer. You know, when you ask people, here's what, here's what we all, we all say that, like even your pastor says this, right? We say this and we go through these moments to where it's like, man, I really need, like I'm going into five days, seven days, 10 days, 14 days of fasting and like praying and really, I just really got to up my prayer life. Oh yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just going through some things. You never hear people go, you know what, man, I'm going to increase my fasting and worship and prayer. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, everything's great. I'm just really want to get closer to God. See the difference? He wants us to depend on his presence, not just when things are hard, but when things are good. And maybe, just maybe when we're going through something hard, we'll learn to depend on him a little bit better. 
Maybe it'll grow us a little bit more. You know, I, I think it's interesting, uh, an illustration of this is we talked about Moses earlier and the Israelites coming out of Egypt in the slavery. Now get this. They came out of years, decades of slavery to the Egyptians. An entire nation did. He pulls them out of that. They're going through this journey to their, to their promised land, to their dreamland, to what God has promised them. Watch this. And over and over and over and over, and you keep adding overs if you want, but I'm not because I'm restricted by time. Again, he has to keep telling them, stop worshiping false idols, worship me. They are not your God. I am your God. They didn't bring you out of slavery. I brought you out of slavery. They did not provide manna. I provided manna. They did not provide water from a rock. I provided water from a rock. Like over and over. And there were times where God would go, I'm going to pull my hand of favor off of your nation until you turn back to me. Over and over and over again. And these are people that physically were, were degraded and bemoaned and beaten and restricted in slavery. And God pulls them out and they still can't get it right. In fact, it got so bad. Watch this. This story cracks me up. It got so bad their leader, Moses, was on top of a mountain. Right? He's up on the mountain. He's meeting with God. He's not meeting with a CEO. He's not meeting with a disgruntled church member. He's meeting with God, him and God, in a cloud, on a mountain, having a conversation about what's to come. He's feeling good. He's puffed up. His spirit feels good. He's got fresh vision. He comes bouncing down the, down the mountain, back to his tribe, back to the nation, back to Israel, right? And he hears, whoo, he hears, the, he hears the music, and he hears the drums hitting, and he hears the guitar playing. He sees the lights going, right? He's got the haze roll. He hears them, and they're, whoo! They're singing, yeah, full of faith and wonder, right? Y'all are like, please don't ever do that again. Like they're going to town. He's like, oh, man, they're ready. I'm ready. We're about to change the world. Dude comes down, and they are standing around a golden idol, and they're worshiping a golden idol. And he's like, what are you doing? I just met with the God of the universe. And I got to come down here and look at my executive pastor, Aaron, who is also my brother, and be like, what are you doing, you crazy joker? Burn it all. Get it all out of here. And he's got to set everything right. That was the nation of Israel. And over and over again throughout the Bible, stuff like that continues to happen because it's only when things go bad that we turn, tend to look to God. Jonah. I'm going to go through this one quick. Jonah's called to Nineveh to do God's work. He goes, no, nah, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't like Nineveh. I don't want to go preach. I don't want to go reach people. So he jumps on a boat to escape the call. They're throwing stuff over the boat because there's a storm coming. They're trying to figure out what's cursed our boat. So they're throwing stuff off. The only thing they hadn't thrown off at this point, Jonah. Some of you are going through storms in your life, and you want to know how to get rid of them. And the problem is, is you're holding on to stuff that God's told you to throw overboard. Throw it overboard. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. That habit, throw it overboard. That relationship, throw it overboard. Anyway, it's a different sermon, different day. He's thrown overboard. He's swimming. He's doggy paddling in the ocean. Storm stops with the boat, with the boat right? And all of a sudden, this big fish comes up and goes, oh! You think that didn't stress Jonah out? You get swallowed by a giant fish and see if it don't stress you out. Then he gets regurgitated which is disgusting, lands in Nineveh. And in Jonah, 
I was actually going to scripture in a minute. Jonah chapter 2, verses 2 and 7, this is what Jonah says. And he said, this being Jonah, I called out of my distress, or my overwhelmed feeling. I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, or hell, and he heard my voice. Verse 7, read this one. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. In his darkest moment, he felt like he was in the depth of hell. He says, I called out to the Lord, and he heard me. And not only did he hear me, but my prayer entered his holy temple. Can I, can I just give you this thought? Even if God doesn't answer your prayer the way that you think he should answer your prayer, doesn't mean he hasn't heard your prayer. Garth Brooks actually wrote a very theologically sound song a long time ago. <laughs> Sometimes I thank God for what? You can't even say it without singing it. For unanswered prayers. Sometimes an answer, unanswered prayer is an answered prayer. Let me give you this thought real quick. Never let the presence of a problem, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Just because there's a problem doesn't mean there's no God. When things are hard, what do we say? God, where are you? But when things are good in our lives, how many times does God go, Brandon, where are you? Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God because he always hears. In fact, in Psalm chapter 145, in verse 18, I'm going to flip to it very quickly. Psalm 145 and 18. Oh, there it is right there. Thank you. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. The Lord is always near. He always hears. So the first one is, he wants us to depend on his presence. The second one is this. Watch this. It's, he wants us to experience his power. He wants us to experience his power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, his second letter to him, and he, he makes this statement, and he begins to talk about how he's got this thing called a thorn in his flesh. Now, nobody really knows what the thorn in the flesh is, but let's just call it somebody annoying. Yes, you can put a name to it if you really want to. He's got this thorn in his flesh, right? And he's talking about it, and he's like, I've got to live with it, and it's really annoying, and it's really frustrating, and all this stuff. And, 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 and here's the truth. Like, he pleads with God three separate times. Hey, God, will you take this thorn from my flesh? God, deliver me from this thorn. God, get this person out of here. They're driving me nuts. I can't take it anymore. And God being God can deliver the thorn from his flesh. He can take it out. He can deliver him from it. But God chooses not to. In fact, God chooses to let him live with it. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says in verses 9 and 10, he said, And he said to me, being Jesus, being God, My grace, not their opinion, not their approval, not them, not the church's amen, not any of that, not their high five. My grace is sufficient or enough for you. 
Watch this. And then he says, for power is perfected. Not made known. Not made available. Power is perfected in weakness. My, most gladly, therefore, I... Watch what... So this is what God says. Watch what Paul says after that. He says, so most gladly... You were just asking God to deliver you from the thorn. Now he's glad. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. What a powerful statement. Paul goes, fine, God. If your grace is sufficient, if my weakness is what perfects your strength, leave the thorn. Let me walk with it. Jacob, Old Testament, battles with an angel all night long. I mean wrestling off the top rope, dropping bows all night long. Gets to a point where it's about over. Jacob says, leave me alone. Let me go. You know what the angel does? He says, before I go. And he touches his hip socket. Jacob walks with a limp the rest of his life. Why? Because maybe your fight is with the heavens. What if your fight is an encounter with the heavens? What if what you are resenting and hating about life right now? What if the fight that you're asking God to take you out of is actually God introducing himself to you? What if the limp you have to live with is God actually making himself known every day? What if the pain that you feel is not punishment, but power? You know, I, I don't know why. This it, actually isn't in my notes, but I told it last service. I'm going to tell it again. Many of you know. Some of you do. Some of you don't. But many of you know that at 23 years old, 14 years ago in my life, I was taken to a hospital and I had a pacemaker put in. And I've had 10 heart surgeries since then in 14 years. And I, I remember I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't get mad at God. At 23 years old, I couldn't play a sport like I wanted to. I couldn't, you know, there's all these things I couldn't do because I had to let it heal a little bit. I was mad. I was mad. I was a youth pastor and mad at God. I was ticked off. In fact, I'd be lying to you right now if I tell you that there ain't days that I still get mad. You know, I've been through surgeries to where they've had to change pacemakers out earlier than expected because of problems. I've been rushed to hospitals more times than I ever care to admit. I've scared my wife more than I, know, I care to admit. I've gone through moments where I felt like I was having a massive heart attack. I've gone through, I've gone through a, a heart failure, and I've had to have that reversed. I've, had to have, I've been on so many different medicines, I can't explain it to you. There's nights I don't sleep. I'm sleeping like with my eyes, but my heart is racing like I'm running a marathon. I wake up and I'm exhausted. There's days I walk into this office and all I want to do is pull out one of the couches in the hangout room for our kids, make it back into that uh, futon and just go to bed. There's days that my heart is so up, up, the heart rate is so up or so down that I can't think straight. So I just, I leave early because I can't even focus on my message for the day or whatever my meeting is. There's days where I have to look at Pastor Travis and go, hey man, I just need you to really cover for me a little bit more than normal because I just ain't, I, I, I'm struggling right now. It's just one of those things. 
I have to take a pill every night before I go to bed. I've had four different pacemakers in 14 years, and they're supposed to last, what, when, like 12 years of a pacemaker, right? She's been through a lot of the same stuff I've been through. But I'll never forget about a year in. I was mad. I asked the doctors, I said, hey, is this hereditary? Is this genetic? He said, no, it's just something that jumped on you, man. It's just, you got it. I live in fear. I live in fear of dying before I want to. I live in fear of my kids having an issue. Every time we've ever had a kid, thank God we're done. I've asked the doctors, what's the heart rate look like? Is everything okay? I'll never forget this little old nurse about a year in. I was getting an EKG and getting checked out. She looked at me. <laughs> and I get this so many times. She goes, you're a little young to be in here with a pacemaker, aren't you? Every time I want to be like, yeah. <laughs> you're funny. I'm like, yes, ma'am, I am. I am. I remember she, I was sitting there, I was getting an EKG done. She was doing some paperwork. She said, tell me your story. So I told her my story. She looked at me and she said, you know, I don't know anything about you. I just heard your story, just met you. She said, but I can't help but think about the story of Jacob. And at that time, I'm going to be real, I didn't want to hear any scripture. I didn't want you to super spiritualize it. It sucked. Let's just be real. And she looked at me and she said, you know, the angel touched Jacob's hip socket and he walked with a limp, but he was always reminded of how close he came to God. She looked at me and she said, maybe this is your hip socket so that every time you see the scar, you're reminded of how much God loves you. And that changed, changed me. I heard that 13 years ago. I've never forgotten it. I can see the lady's face, have no idea who she is. Never seen her before, never seen her again. That one moment, I can see her face. I'm sitting on the table, like in my mind right now, just like I'm there. You know, it changed my perspective on life. Because when you come so close to death three times from what they've told me, you just learn that if this is my cross to bear, this is my cross to bear. If this is what I go through, this is what I go through, and I'll make the most of it. If God won't give you more than you can handle, that's a lie. Because there are days I wake up and I feel like I got more than I can handle. But the moment, watch this, the moment I acknowledge that I can't handle it, God goes, good. Now hand it over to me. Hand it over to me. Hand it to me. I got it. Watch this. Romans 8, 26 in closing. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Can I just tell you, God could take this pacemaker out of my chest any moment he wants to. But it's not up for me to tell him when he should do something. 
It's up for me to be faithful when he calls me to it, no matter what. Yes, you will go through things in life that are too hard to handle. That don't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It feels forgotten. But I'm here to tell you, there is a God that sees into your circumstance and just simply wants to be a part of the process of the problem. Because when we welcome him into the midst of our problem, we now can sail with his spirit. We now can move with his spirit wherever he wants to go. Because when I acknowledge my weakness, his power is made perfect. It's not until I say, God, I can't do this. I can't take another thing. I think those are the moments where God goes, good, I can. Some of us have never experienced God's power because we've never given up our weakness. Let's give it up. Let's let God be perfected in our lives. Yes, you'll go through hard times. Yes, you'll go through things that are more than you can handle. Yes, you'll have prayers that seem to be unanswered. Yes, you'll go through heartache. Yes, it'll be difficult. But God said the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same God that fills your life today. And it's the same God that when Jesus said, I'm grieved to the point of death, that pulled him out of that is the same God that will pull you out. We just got to trust him. And so today, I just want to encourage you with this. You may feel weak, but he is strong. When you can't handle anymore, he can handle a lot more because he is God. Would you just bow your heads with me today? I just want to ask, as our teams are getting ready, to serve you on the way out. I just want to ask this question. Is there anybody in the room that would say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to God through Jesus. I want to accept his sacrifice for me. I want to give him my life for eternity starting today. I want to change things. I want to start over. I want, I want forgiveness that I've ignored his word and his truth and I thank him for forgiveness and grace and mercy and love like never before and I want to pray that prayer and I want to give him my heart and I want to start that if that's you would you hold your hand up right where you are real high and real big now we believe at Radiate just keep holding it up they're going to put they're going to put a clipboard in your hand we just want a little bit of information so that we can walk this journey with you but we believe at Radiate, we believe in doing life together. And so I would love for you, everybody across the room and online, to just pray this prayer with me out loud. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for the sacrifice of your life for my life. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your cross. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I give you my future. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God today. Come on, put your hands together for two people in the room that gave their lives to Jesus today. I just want to pray over everybody. Father, we thank you and we honor you 
God, I just pray that right now you are glorified and you are lifted up. And God, I pray that there's some people in this room, I know, they walked in stressed and overwhelmed and they feel like they can't take any more. But right now in this moment, God, I believe that your strength is being made perfect in our weakness. And God, take us where you want us to go. Teach us what you want us to know. God, we give you our lives and our hearts and we focus on you. In your name we pray, amen.